This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Jeremy last night said some things I definitely want to repeat. He made it evidently, potently clear that there will be no change in our words that's lasting. There will be no life in our words that is led by the Holy Spirit unless God has already done a work in our hearts. You can go all day choosing not to say this or to say this, and all you're going to do is wear out without the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Like, that has to be our foundation here. Like, if you're here and you're like, ah, I'm not really sure about this Jesus thing, I'm just here and I'm watching. I'm so glad you're here. But you're not going to be able to attain what God has for those in here whose lives are led by the Spirit. And those of you whose lives are led by the Spirit, it's time to surrender our mouths in a way we've never done before. It's time to up our game a little bit because we've, we've surrendered maybe some parts of our lives, but for most of us, we've never even wrapped our minds around the idea that this was an area of our lives that we've been holding back for us because of the selfish pleasure it gives us as we run it. So we need to start thinking differently. And he covered angry speech. He covered obscene talk. And what was the third one? Gossip, fantastic. Those are great points. And then Pat this morning, I love the way she uses imagery when she communicates. I love the, the idea of a target. We're either shooting for a target, like winning an archery match, or we're shooting to kill and cut down. Our words being like arrows, what we're firing off into the atmosphere with every text, with every post. They bring life or they bring death. And she gave us the acronym THINK as we're looking at people and we're seeing the target of their hearts or we're seeing what we want to cut. We think. What does T stand for? Tear down. Tear down. What does I stand for? Oh, I changed it up on you. What's H stand for? Honesty. What's N stand for? Necessary. What's K stand for? Is it kind? It's beautiful. So a lot of you that were in the bus got to meet my kids today. Are they cute or what? Like, I don't even know where they came from. Like, my wife and I have a spiritual blessing and spiritual gift to make cute kids. Absolutely. Now, when Nadia, she's my second oldest, when she was little, probably not two yet, she only owned one word, if it could be called a word, in her vocabulary. Her word was boop. Can you say that? Boop. Everything was boop. She pointed at the cup, boop. She pointed at me, boop. She pointed at the truck, boop. Everything was boop. That was, and, and that's hilarious. Now, let's fast forward to her age now. She's four years old now. She's holding full-blown conversations. She's giving us the storylines of movies. What if my four-year-old still had one word, boop? 
Well, it'd be a little concerning. What if she tries to go to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and she is hindered by only having one word in her vocabulary? It's not cute anymore. Now there's time for concern. Her development, her maturity has been stunted somewhere. Now we start figuring out, like, what's, what's going on? How can we help her? How can we begin to grow? How can she mature? How can she begin to, to talk back to us, to tell us when she's hungry, when she has to go to the bathroom? Like, everyday common things are suffering because she never matured past cute boop. There's three kinds of people. There are unbelievers, people that have not made Jesus their Lord. There are carnal Christians, which are people that say that they're Christians, and they may even do some of the stuff that looks Christian-y, but the reality is their heart is not surrendered to the Lord, and what they're trying to do is enjoy some of the pleasures of the world, but try to like hang on to life insurance at the same time. They're like the fence-sitters, right? They have a foot in both camps. And then there are what Jesus calls the fertile soil, the mature believers, trees that bear good fruit, those whose lives are surrendered to Christ, that we're being sanctified. We're not perfect, but, but Christ is sanctifying us every day to be more like him. If you want to test your maturity level of where you are on this sliding scale, and let me give you some news that's uncomfortable. Carnal Christians are not Christians. If you want to know where you are on this sliding scale between an unbeliever and a believer, one of the tests that you can take is the maturity of the language we use. Because there's a lot of newborn baby Christians that have been Christians for 20 and 30 years and they expose that they've never grown in 20 or 30 years because they're still boop Christians. Where would you say you are on the sliding scale? Because here's your test. What do you talk about? What kind of language do you use? What do you talk about when no one else is listening? What are you posting? What are you texting that you would never let certain people ever see? You know where you are between you and the Holy Spirit on this sliding scale by the test of your words. That's humbling for me because I don't have it all together and I catch myself all the time. But let's do some self-analysis tonight. We're going to turn to our Bibles to three places, four max. But if you have your Bibles, if you have a copy of God's Word, please turn to Luke chapter 6. That's the last quarter of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 43. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. 
starts with the word for. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known. For each tree is known. Here's how you can tell where someone is on the sliding scale, which before God is not a sliding scale. It's black or white. But as we're talking about Christian maturity and growth as Christians, this is where you can tell where you are. We're known by our fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, we have to have a heart transformation, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. You are exposing your heart. We, myself included, we're exposing our hearts. You can't say, I'm a Christian one minute, and our mouth reflects evil and sin and selfishness. It begins with a heart change. And we're going to start off unsanctified, but justified by what Jesus did on the cross. And now it's time to begin to surrender our mouths to the Lord and grow from boop Christians to Christians whose words grow good fruit. And what is unique about fruit? What sets it apart from vegetables? Fruit has. Fruit has. Fruit has. You know what's amazing about good and godly words that reflect God's word and his character is that they are seeds that grow into producing more fruit that has seeds that grow and produces more fruit. I'll give you a great example. I was visiting my wife whenever she worked at this uh, daycare. And I love hanging out with kids sometimes too. I have like this uh, limit. I run out of energy for kids. I can hang out with you guys all day, all night. But for kids, you know, I'm, I'm really great for like 20 minutes. So I'm hanging out with all these kids and they're all like, you know, this high and they have a basketball goal and they're trying to throw the basketball into the basketball goal. And so I'm just waiting on Jackie to be done with work. And so I went and hung out with the kids and I started tossing the ball and I just started encouraging them. Like, oh, that was so close. You almost got it. I believe in you. You're going to make this. And they make it and I go crazy for them. Like, this kid is the coolest kid I've ever met. He made the basket. And I did this with like two or three kids. And I go to walk away because Jackie's done. And as I'm leaving, I hear this little kid behind me go, I believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. That was so close. Because our words are seeds that grow fruit, and that fruit has seeds that grows fruit. You can start this domino effect. You can be the change you want in the world around you, but it hasn't changed because your mouth's still the same. You're still a book Christian sometimes. Me too. But godly words through the power of the Holy Spirit, through us, bear good fruit. Thank you, Jesus. Here's an interesting thought. 
we all have stuff going on in our head all the time. It's chaos in here. It's like dim lit chaos in here most of the time. What if we thought about our words like a movie screen? Because our words are projecting what's going on inside of us. What if every word you said was suddenly put up on the big screen for everyone to read? What would people start thinking about your heart? Is it a heart that is redeemed and sanctified by Jesus? Or is it a heart that is still either living in sin or just a boop Christian? What if all of our words were projected because what's inside is what comes out? Out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks. This is very uncomfortable. James 3, just like Jeremy talked about last night, talks about our mouths being like a rudder on a ship, causing the direction of the boat. A bit or a bridle in a horse's mouth causing the direction of this horse. God will use your words to begin to guide things. Your life. The atmosphere around you. Because out of that abundance grows good fruit from a good tree that bears seeds, that bears more fruit. Our words are powerful. How powerful? Proverbs 18, 21. You were there last night. You don't have to turn if you remember it. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And those who love it eat of its fruits. You heard it last night. You heard it from Pat. You're hearing it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Mature believers no longer speak death. The Holy Spirit is training us to speak life. We have forsaken spiritual infancy and we surrender our mouths to the redemption and the purification of the Holy Spirit. Similar to what Luke had about Jesus, Matthew gives us what Luke had and he gives us even a little bit more. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. That's what Matthew said. And then Jesus gets intense. You brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. Man, he's talking. <laughs> Calm down, Jesus. You bunch of snakes. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And listen, this is where Matthew gives us a little bit more of Jesus' sermon. I tell you, listen right now. I tell you, on the day of judgment, when we stand before a holy God who knows everything, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that we speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Of the thousands and thousands of words we say every day, how many of those are absolutely worthless, vain? What was Pat's number, letter N? Is it necessary? We spend so much time running our mouths. Lord, forgive me, running our mouths with empty, worthless, vain, pointless, 
unnecessary words. And we're going to stand before God and God's going to go, why? We're going to give an account for everything that we say. That is not easy to hear. That is not comfortable. That is really challenging. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and sanctify our mouths so our mouths are giving glory to God. It's time that we as God's followers, as Jesus' followers, begin to speak on purpose. We speak on purpose. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 19. This is so beautiful. I just about came unglued when I spotted this. So pretty, so beautiful. This is a Psalm of David. And David, for a moment, is enraptured by how good God is. Psalm 19, cut your Bible in half, you're pretty close to Psalms. If you're in Isaiah, go left. Psalm 19. Remember, like the captain controlling a ship through its rudder, or a horseman controlling a horse by its bridle, we have to surrender our tongues to a new master, our old master being us, influenced by the devil, or our new master being Jesus Christ, bought by a high price, adopted into his family, coming in as a slave and a father who calls you daughter and son, surrendered to a new master. Psalm 19, verses one through four. Listen to the the words that David uses to communicate speech or communication. You ready for this? The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and the night to night reveals knowledge. So everywhere he looks, he's seeing the beauty of creation and creation is not silent. Creation in its own way is proclaiming how awesome God is. Stars are in the sky going, God is awesome. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for how awesome he is. Everything that we see around us that is made by God is proclaiming his glory. From day to day, they pour out speech. And night to night, they reveal knowledge. And listen to this. I love the contrast. There is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. We can't hear the stars. We can't hear how birds are calling out for his glory, but we hear the chirping. We see the balance. We see the physical laws that run the universe. God's handiwork. The beauty, the rainbow that we saw, like this much of it today, it was so cool. We were standing in the rain. You got to see a rainbow. So we have the beauty of creation, and it's crying out. It's as close to words as you can get. And then David talks about words from God in audible language that we can hear and read. Let's jump down to verse 7. So creation is proclaiming God and giving us knowledge of him. Let's jump to verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect. 
reviving the soul, energizing the soul, bringing it to life. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. These are the words of God. And here it is right here. We can't hear the stars, but you just heard the word of God. Not because of my voice, but because right here is the word of God. You heard it. Isn't that beautiful? So David sees the knowledge of God, the glory of God proclaimed by creation. He sees it proclaimed by God's word. So how does David respond? I'll give you a hint. David's going to try to jump in line. He's going to look for a way. I want to get on board with nature. I want to get on board with God's word. I want to fall into line with all of these aspects, giving God glory. Let's jump down to the end. Listen how he closes it. It's <laughs> so cool. Verse 14. Creation praises you. Your word praises you. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here's the cry of a believer. I see your glory. I hear your glory. Oh Lord, let me get in this. I want to speak your glory. So where do you rank on the scale of maturity? Put your conversation on the bus, in PE, in the texts that you sent, what you posted on social media, the joke that was told at lunch, when you're talking to your mom, your sister, your friend, where are you on the sliding scale? Are you still a book Christian? Boop Christian? Because we're going to give an account for every careless word. The power in our words may be different than we've considered. I want to say that again. Some of you guys are still like starting to fade on me. I know I'm tired too. Our words may be different than you perceived before. We live in a very physical realm. We interact with our five senses, this realm, touch, smell, hear, feel, etc. But if you ever thought that God, out of his grace, uses our words to bridge from the physical into the spiritual, to a place that we can't reach? Think about it. How does God use our words? Satan is defeated by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. How does an unbeliever come to salvation? God uses their words. If they'll believe in their heart, Jesus is the Lord, that he died on the cross. And they, what, confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord. They'll be saved. What does scripture say? It says when we pray according to his will, he hears our prayers. Our words are used by God 
to bridge from the physical to the spiritual. We have no power. The words themselves have no power. But when they're surrendered to the Lord from a mouth that is controlled, from a heart that has been changed by God through the Holy Spirit, look what God can do. Like that, to, to me, that's worth thinking about for a while. That's fascinating. We're talking about fruit, trees, seeds. This is a key verse. I think this is the last one I'm going to have you turn to tonight. Galatians chapter 6. It's the last quarter of your Bible. Once you get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians chapter 6. My Bible may uh, abandon us here in a minute. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. Pay attention. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, talk about seeds, not sows like a needle, needle pulling thread. No, sow is like you put seed in the ground. Whatever you seed, sow, that will you also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, that means your sin, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you're known by your fruit, and what you sow through the seed of fruit is what you will reap again. We need to start asking ourselves some questions. Because we're going to sow gossip, angry words, explicit conversation. If we're going to sow complaining, if we're going to sow self-depreciation, if we're going to sow these things, we will reap them. Have you heard the phrase, what goes around comes around? It's actually biblical. This is what's coming out of our mouths. This is the seed we're planting. This is what's going to come back. This is what's going to come out in your sibling, your younger brother, your younger sister. What you sow into them, you'll see again. This is what you sow in your friends. What you sow into them is what you're going to hear again. What about your parents, your teachers? Wherever you're sowing, wherever you're dropping seed, that's what's going to come back. Will it be death? Will it be life? Will it cut like a knife or will it cut like a scalpel? Will it fire an arrow for destruction or fire an arrow for integrity, for love, for care? Reflecting God's heart for that person, for yourself. Because what you sow is what you reap. So with that thought in mind, I want to give you three more ways that our words can be destructive, and then we'll talk about ways that our words can be constructive. Jeremy talked about obscene talk 
angry speech, and gossip. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but Romans 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. We are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. Keep listening. Others are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. Others are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. It's good. I'll say it a few more times. We are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. I'm going to say it a bunch more times, Abby. Don't worry. I want this to be remembered. Here's one for you. We have anger, explicit speech, and gossip. Let's add to it self-depreciation. There are four, four groups of people that hear you when you cut yourself down. Others hear you. God hears you. Satan hears you. But you know who hears you first? Yourself. And you know what? We more often believe what we say about ourselves more than what others say about us. Like if, if my wife comes out and she's like, oh, I don't know about this dress. And I'm like, I love that dress. You look beautiful. And she feels like she looks stupid. There's nothing I'm going to say. Ah, I can't. It, it just, ah, and she storms back in to the other room. We believe what we say about ourselves a lot more than we believe what other people say about us. Think about some of the things that we say. I look stupid. I hate my hair. I stink at my job. I'm not a good learner. I can't remember names. I'll never get this subject. I'm ugly. Think about all the things that we say about ourselves. When we start cutting ourselves down, realize two really important things. This is worth remembering. There's two things that we need to remember when we start cutting ourselves down. One, we ask the question, is this God encouraging us or is this enemy, our enemy encouraging this? Think about it. When we say those things, we're cutting ourselves down. Is this the voice of God that's coming through my mouth or is this the voice of the enemy coming through my mouth? Who is getting excited by this? Is our God going, yes, you're living up to who I made you to be? Or is our enemy going, yes, I'm pulling them away and I'm pulling them down? Number two, when we cut ourselves down, we are speaking derogatory about God's workmanship. About the person that he loved enough to go to the cross for. Does God make junk? Or are we slapping him in the face saying, nope, sorry, God, you missed. You got this wrong right here. You got this wrong in here. You got this wrong here. From five foot, seven and three quarters to the floor, you blew it, God. Whoa. I don't even want to stare next to you if that's your attitude about God. Lightning, you know. What a slap in the face to a God that made you that loves you. Instead, let's speak truth. 
we will reap the seeds of self-depreciation. We are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. We are weakened when our words oppose the character of Christ. Others are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. Others are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. Here's another one. So self-depreciation. Number two, foolish talk. And I'll give you examples. How many times a day do we say things like, I am just dead. I'm dead inside. Oh, I just, I'm sick about this. I just got nothing but problems. I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I'm just a failure. I fail. I want to quit. How many times do we say, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this teacher. I hate this subject. I hate my car. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I hate the way this person talks to me. I hate this shirt. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. Our words are seeds. What we plant, we'll sow. And we're filling our mouths with talk like this. I'm just depressed all the time. I'll never get this subject. You're an idiot. How many times do we cut each other down? Oh, you know I'm just kidding. No, shut up. It's time that our words are reflecting the character of Christ. There's plenty of people that are going to be funny to cut you down. Let's be the one person in their life that cares more to build them up. How many times in video games do we say terrible things like, ha ha, I just totally raped them. How many times do we say things like, well, I'm just going to kill myself. Oh, I'm just kidding, you know. We say it in humor. We say it in jest. I'm broke. This sucks. These are destructive. And they're planting seeds after seeds after seeds. What is filling our mouth? Is it pleasing God or is it pleasing our enemy? Who is hearing us? There's four. I hate this class. The teacher hates me. What if our words changed? What if they became things like, God's going to give me strength. And anything that is hard, I can overcome with his help. Maybe it's time that we start taking word fasts. Maybe we wake up in the morning and we say, you know what, this word, let's take the word hate since I've expounded on that so much. I'm going to go my whole day and I'm not going to use the word hate about anything. Nope. I'm going to fast the word hate today. Maybe some of you struggle with profanity. It's a habit. Once you get in it, it's really hard to break. Maybe there's a word that you're just like, nope, not today. Maybe we're going to stop saying, I'm depressed. Maybe we're going to stop calling someone something. I'm going to fast this today. Not out of my own strength. I'm going to surrender my mouth to Jesus. I'm going to pray throughout the day. I'm going to replace that with something else. Let's do a word fast. What's the word you catch yourself saying all the time? We're going to reap the seeds of every foolish word. We're energized when our words align with the character of Christ. We're weakened when our words oppose the character of Christ. Others are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. Others are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. Self-depreciation. Foolish talk. It's those empty, worthless words that we use all the time. And number three, complaining. And I'm going to camp here for a little while, probably because I need to hear it as much as you do. Complaining is always destructive. 
always destructive. Not once in the history ever has complaining moved us forward or made us stronger or given us a positive attitude. Complaining never draws us closer to the heart of God. It never provides solutions. It never builds you or someone up. It never prepares you for the situation at hand. And it never builds up the person that you're complaining to. Complaining is never constructive. And it's selfish to the core. Come and listen to me dragging everything down. I want you to listen to me. I just got to vent. I'm just going to vomit all my feelings and my stresses and my pains and everything I think about everybody else, everything I think about my life and my job and school. Complaining. And they're like, yay, thank you. My day is so much better now. I just love you so much. But the first person hearing it is who? Us. If you're discussing a problem and you aren't looking, here's the, here's the caveat. If you're discussing a problem and you're not looking for wise counsel towards a godly solution, check yourself. You're probably complaining. The only reason we need to unpack problems is to say, hey, would you pray with me? I've got a situation here in confidence and I need wisdom on how to handle this. That is entirely different. That's where you actually give a lot less detail and information because we're going to get right to the deal at hand. We're going to pray. What does the word of God say about this? What does wisdom say about this? This is not the thing that you take to your very best friend who's just going to complain with you. This is someone that you take to wise counsel and you say, okay, how do I move forward in a way that honors God in this situation? There's your safe zone every time. The root of complaining is a search of sympathy. You just want someone to sympathize with you. All right, that's second tier. Let me give you first tier information. Complaining is always a lack of faith. It is always doubting God. Every time. I'll give you another great story about Nadia. There was one time whenever she's about the same age. And she's at the foot of the slide, and both feet are on the ground. And she's sort of like standing by a slide, and she's on this weird contorted way on it. And she's afraid that if she moves, she's going to slide back down the slide. And that's right, she's face down. This is an old memory. She's face down on the slide, and she can't move. Feet on the ground, bent over the slide, off balance, and she's crying into the slide. Like, there's snot, there's tears. She is crying into the plastic slide. And I'm, I'm like near her, and I'm going, Nadia, just... Just roll. Just push off. Just If you'll just sink down, you'll straighten out. And she's into this lie. Doesn't hear a thing. That's us. God. Yes. And he's going, lean into me. Come to my word. Seek wise counsel. If we'll go to God and say, Lord, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication. Make it our requests known to him with thanksgiving. Totally different attitude. Are you on board with me? Are you with me? Complaining is always doubting God. My mom used to tell me that doubting was a sin. 
show me that verse, Mom. And she goes, okay. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Trust in the Lord, lean not on uh, your understanding. Thank you, Ethan. That was great tonight. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Every time we doubt, we're going, God, I know what you say, but I, I, you're not strong enough for this one. You're not strong enough to deal with this issue between me and my friend, between this, me and my mom, between me and this teacher, between whatever's going on. God, you're just not, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't think you got this one. And God's standing next to your slide going, just move a little bit. Let me, give me your hand. Or, yeah, you get the picture now, right? God might be asking, am I your father? Am I your provider? Am I too small? Do I not love you? Then how are complaints in your mouth? Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, you can look it up later. I'll give you a nutshell of it. I have learned to be content in all circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not, I'm running a marathon and I'm really tired and I haven't worked out in two years. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not, I can pass this test which I didn't study for. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No. I can be content in all things. I don't have to complain in anything. Why? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Winners will never be winners as long as they're whiners. God won't work very smoothly with someone who's complaining. It's more of a drag when God's getting to some place with a complaining mouth. That's me right here. A great way to stay stuck in your attitude during a problem is to keep talking about your problem. I thought that was a really good one. You know where your problem came from? The one who's in charge of everything. You know what our attitude does in the challenge they got put us in? Made it terrible, made it worse. So let's take our problem and let's just put it on a loop around and around and around. Isn't this good? I didn't get this. This is like I'm pulling from people smarter than me. We will reap the seeds of complaining. We are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. We are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. Others are energized when our words align with the character of Christ. Others are weakened when our words are opposed to the character of Christ. So what's the opposite? So we've got six things now. Angry speech, explicit speech, anger, self-depreciation, complaining, and what was the second one tonight? Just blanked out. Come on. Foolish talk. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. So what's the opposite? What do we begin to fill our mouths with? What are the seeds that we plant? If we're going to abandon six things with our mouths, what can we lean into to fill that space? It's so simple. We're going to begin to fill ourselves with God's word right here. This is it. We begin to live and breathe it. Have you lately memorized a Bible verse? Have you, my Bible's about to like do a goodbye cruel world right off this podium. Okay. Have you lately memorized a Bible verse? Have you lately memorized a whole Psalm? When was the last time you began to take good words and plant the seeds of those good words into you 
so that you can produce fruit, which produce seeds. I want to ask that one more time because that is so good. That just like right now, that was, you know. When was the last time you put the seed? Jesus says this is like seed of his word into the soil of our own hearts and our own minds so that we can grow good fruit that produces seeds, that produces fruit. When was the last time? If we're going to begin to have self-control to switch from these six categories, then we're going to need the Holy Spirit in us. We're going to need God's word in us, refreshing us, energizing us, moving us forward. It's through God's word. What do we say about our circumstances? We say what God says about our circumstances. What do we say about ourselves? We say what God says about us. What do we say about others? We say what God says about them. What do we say about our sufferings, our past, our guilt, our future, our enemy, our families, our joy? We say what God says about them. We begin to replace what we say about something with what God says about that thing. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.